0: Well, this morning I want to just take a few moments, we have plenty of time, to look at the Word of God, and I I believe I have something to tell you. And so I've, uh, I've diligently prepared, and I believe this is a word for the hour, and I'm asking you to open up your spirit, open up your heart, and listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say today, all right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look at the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. We thank you that you are always the present help in the time of trouble. We thank you that, Lord, your presence is here. We've sensed your presence all morning, and we're thankful <coughs> and grateful for that. And we're asking, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would hear your word, and that we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone said amen. <coughs> um, this morning, for a few moments, we're gonna I'm gonna preach on the thought, the divine shakeup. Would you say that with me this morning? The divine shakeup. Say it again. The divine shakeup. Say it again. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor there's a divine shakeup. There's a divine shake up. It's hard for me to remember what life was before COVID. I'm not sure if things will ever go back to normal. I think that we're all hoping and praying that things will go back to normal, but I'm not sure. The last two years has certainly felt like a whirlwind, hasn't it? And within the last two years, we have experienced a plethora of things. Within the last two years, we've experienced a worldwide pandemic. We have experienced death, sickness, and fear. We've experienced political upheaval. We've experienced a racial divide. We've experienced extreme hatred and aggression towards opposing views. And we have experienced spiritual apathy and decline in church. Attendance and practices. Have you ever thought about what in the world is going on? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, why does it seem like there's one thing right after another? Why does it seem like it's all happening all at one time? What is the issue? I mean, it's one thing to experience something and to get over it and to experience something else maybe later and then get over it. But there's something different. It's a new level to experience one thing right after another as if it's back to back. And I think that as Christians this morning, as people of God, As people who are students of the Word of God, we've got to stop for a few moments and we've got to evaluate what's going on. We've got to ask some serious questions. (coughs) We've got to stop for a few moments and do some spiritual evaluation and we've got to ask some questions. Now, we've got to ask Is there a spiritual message behind the events that we are experiencing? Or is it just another bad day? Is it just another bad political season? Is it just uh, another virus? Is there a message behind the chaos? Now let me just say this because I think it's worth saying this morning, is that if you are a student of history, it doesn't take you long to see in history that mankind has always experienced issues. As a matter of fact, we've experienced pandemics before. And we have experienced political tension and racial division before. This is nothing new in history. Sometimes I think that we look at history and we think that, you know, this is the first time <clears throat> that it's happening. But this is not the first time that things like this has happened before. However, I will say that what is happening in our world right now is something that's affecting the whole world. It's affecting the church, and it seems like the aggression is getting stronger and it's progressing at a faster rate than it's ever been. And I believe that there is a message behind the chaos. There is a message behind the chaos because things are not progressively getting better. As a matter of fact, they're progressively getting worse. Somebody say they're getting worse. They're getting worse. And so I believe that we've got to stop for a few moments and we've got to decide, is this something that the Spirit is saying to us? Is there a message that the Spirit is trying to convey to us? And if He is trying to convey a message to us, then what is the message that He's trying to tell us? Is God trying to tell us something? Is there a message behind all of this mess? And I believe as a student of the Word of God, and even as a student of history, I firmly believe that there is a message behind the message, or a message behind the mess, and that God is trying to say something to us. I don't know about you, but... Have you ever sat down to watch you know, a show on TV and all of a sudden there's this emergency broadcasting system that goes across the bottom of the, the TV screen and it says this is a test? Sometimes that's aggravating because you're watching one of your favorite shows or one of those shows you want to watch so deeply and, and all of a sudden it's interrupted and it's just a test. And I believe that in the season that you and I are living in, the, the, uh, the life that we are living has been interrupted and it's not a test anymore. There is a message that God is trying to tell us and it would behoove for each of us to open our ears and for the love of God, listen. For the love of God, listen. This is not the time for us to slack on our spiritual disciplines and slack if you're able to come to church and slack on things that you know you need to do. This is not the time to do that. And for for some reason, it seems like spiritual apathy and spiritual complacency is getting worse than, than I've seen in a long time. I mean, people that I thought that was really sold out for Jesus, they're backslidden now. People who said that they would never leave and that they'll serve Jesus to the end. It's amazing to me, I'm seeing a great falling away of people. I'm not sure why I'm surprised. The Scripture speaks of such things. And so I believe that the message is loud and the message is clear and that we got to open our ears and our hearts and we got to listen to what the spirit has to say. And I am calling this message this morning a divine shakeup. Everybody shout a divine shakeup. <coughs> a divine shakeup. Now I want to just pause for a few moments and I want to look at the word shaking. What do we mean by shaking this morning? What do we mean by that? And I want to give you a definition of what I mean shaking. What I mean I don't want to spiritualize it, but I do want to see a theological principle here in Scripture where God begins to shake things. Shaking is this. It's God's intentional interruption into the natural events of life. God interrupts into the natural order of things. There's normacy, and then all of a sudden there's an interruption. That's what we refer to as shaking. This is a theological principle. This is a theological truth. This is found throughout Scripture. And if you read Scripture, you will find that God will do contradictory crises in Scripture. He will do a contradictory crisis. For instance, for instance, Moses is, is faced with a crisis. He is standing at a burning bush that's contradictory, and it's a crisis. It, make, it doesn't make sense that the bush would not burn up. It's contradictory. It's a crisis. But God was getting ready to shake him and shake the nation of Israel and deliver them from the tyrant Pharaoh and bring them into something new. You see, God was trying to do something. It's Mary and Martha. God created a contradictory crisis. What was the crisis? Their brother is dead. But Jesus said, your brother is not dead. Your brother is only sleeping. That's a contradictory. It doesn't make sense. It's a crisis, but God was getting ready to do something new. He was getting ready to bring forth Lazarus from the tomb. Somebody better shout amen. I'm telling you that when God gets ready to do something, God will do a contradictory crisis. That's exactly what we're in right now. We are quoting the scriptures and saying we're healed, we're quoting the scriptures saying that we're strong, but yet people are dying, people are discouraged people are given up on god they're given up on spiritual principles and yet preachers and men of the faith and people of the word of god is 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 taking is, is being a herald and 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 yelling and 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 like a coach telling you, come on, let's keep going. Let's keep walking. Let's keep running the race. It seems like it's contradictory because it doesn't make sense. There's death and there's dying. There's depletion. There's lack. There's deficiency. There's discouragement. There's a contradictory crisis that's going on in America. You are hearing one thing, but you are seeing another. But I'm letting you know today that God is getting ready to do something new that we Hallelujah. Now, I'm having a hard time breathing this morning, so I want somebody to shout amen right now because God is getting ready to do something that we've never seen before. He's getting ready to do something that we've never seen before. A contradictory crisis. God is going to shake things up. He's going to turn things around. Right before God does something, He creates a crisis that's contradictory so that in the end, He would get the glory. Amen. Now listen, we've got to pay attention to what's happening. We've got to pay attention because life was pretty normal and then it was interrupted. Normacy was interrupted. We've got to ask ourselves, was is this just a bad year is this a bad day why is things happening one right after another and why is it escalating at a very fast rate what is going on is there a message and i'm telling you today that we got to be we got to pay attention we've got to pay attention when the natural order of things is interrupted listen some of us we haven't made a connection between the disruption and the purposes of God. And we'll say that again. Some of us were not discerning. And I will prove to you in Scripture that the hallmark, the hallmark, the mark of somebody who is a mature Christian is somebody who can discern things. Obviously, a child, you have to tell a child not to put their hand on the stove. Why? They don't know how to discern. And as you grow in Christ, the hallmark, one of the things that begins to demonstrate as a fruit in your life is discernment. You're able to discern between right and wrong, Hebrews chapter 4. You're able to discern between what is a God thing and what is a good thing. Remember Eve? She didn't have discernment. She was told not to eat of the fruit, but she ate it anyway. Because the enemy was like, come on, eat this, and you'll have knowledge of good and evil. Your discernment's going to go to a new level. I mean, you're you're going to go, you're going to begin to discern, you're going to write right from evil. But you see... In the garden, we're all faced with a garden in our life. And you've got to make a decision, is this a God thing or is this a good thing? And you've got to have discernment between it. You, you've got to have a discernment between a great thing and a very good thing. You've got to learn how to walk in the spirit and learn how to discern the things of the time in your life. That's why the scripture says in the book of Proverbs chapter 2 that wisdom cries out on the streets. Wisdom is the principal thing, so therefore get wisdom. It's the able to discern between a God thing and a good thing. And there are Christians who come to church and sit on the church pew unaware that God is trying to speak to us, unaware that God is trying to send a message. He has stopped. He has disrupted the show of life. And there is a message running across the screen of life. And some of us have not, we're not paying attention We're eating our Cheetos and eating our popcorn and we're so, so, so anxious for the show to get started again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the show is not going to get started again and things are not going to go back to normal because God has disrupted our normalcy and God has a message for the church. Is there anybody in the building that can say amen this morning? God has a message. And I'm asking you, open up your spiritual ears. I'm asking you to open up your heart and let's discern what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us and what He's trying to say to the church. Let's just not dismiss this as just another another bad season in life. When the natural order of things has been disrupted, in a significant way than God is speaking. There is a divine interruption in the affairs of life. Heaven has disrupted earth. It's originated in heaven and it's di- disrupted earth. Listen, God does not cause sickness and disease. The enemy is the author of sickness and disease. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is sovereign and God does allow things to happen. And we are in a season, we are in a generation right now where God has allowed this to happen because there is a message He wants to say to us, and I'm going to prove to you in Scripture the message that He's trying to prove or to say to us. He's trying to shake us to get us back on course again. I'm reminded of a Scripture found in 2 Chronicles chapter number, uh, 15, beginning with verse number 3. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. But I want you to see what's happening in the context of this Scripture, speaking of Israel. Now, I know that Israel is a nation. It's a people of God. It happened in a particular time and space, and God had a particular plan and purpose for these people. But I want you to see yourself in the story because I believe according to Romans chapter 14, everything that's written was written for our instruction. So I want you to see yourself in this story The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter number 15 beginning with verse number 3, For a long time Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. Verse number 4, But in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, and He was found by them. Verse number 5, And in those days there was no peace to them that went out, nor to the one that came in, but great turmoil was in all of the inhabitants of the land. Verse number 6, So nation was destroyed by nation, and city by city, for God troubled them with adversity. You see what's happening here? Verse number 7, But you be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, your work will be rewarded. The Bible says in verse number 8 that Ezra, Ezra uh, went and he began to prophesy and he took courage. And what did he begin to do? He began to destroy the altars of pagan gods. And he began to restore the true worship of Israel. Now I want you to see what happens here. I want you to go back and look at the verses here. Verse 4, verse 5. I want you to see here. The Bible says that there was no peace. Verse number 5 and there was great trouble, great turmoil in the land. Verse number six, the Bible says, and there was great, the, the nations would destroy nations, and cities would destroy cities, for God was troubling them. So you see international turmoil. You see urban turmoil. You see international, you see cities fighting with one another, you see nations fighting with one another, and the scripture says there's no peace, For God was troubling them. God is sovereign. God said, I'm not your priority. So since I'm not your priority, I'm going to be your problem. And I want to say this, church, when God is not your priority, he will be your problem. Can I say that again? When God is not your priority, he will be your problem. I'm going to say this again. When God is not your priority, God will be the problem. And God was the problem. God troubled them. God troubled the city. God troubled the nation. And why did He trouble them? Because they were serving their false gods. They were serving their false enemies. They were were bowing down to pagan images. And God said, you have forgotten me. And since you have forgotten me, I'm going to do a shakeup because I'm going to trouble you. I'm going to be the problem because I'm going to try to get you back To where you were. Can I say this? Listen to Pastor Josh. I'm convinced, (laughs) convinced that God, especially in America, is revered as if He's the Queen of England. You know, the Queen of England has a lot of respect, she has a lot of reverence, but the Queen of England. She doesn't really make a lot of decisions. She doesn't have a lot of authority. She has a lot of reverence. She has a lot of respect. Ah, Maybe she makes a few little light decisions, but she doesn't make anything major. She has no authority. God is kind of like the Queen of England in America. God is respected somewhat. I know there's some bad things in America, but for the most part, I mean, people have a, I mean, everybody's a Christian, aren't they? Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody loves Jesus. God is veered and respected somewhat, but God really has no authority in your life. He has no authority in the church. You try to correct people, they'll leave. People don't like it, they'll divorce you. You know, people, people just, people, people don't know how to stick through inconsistency. I'm preaching much better than you shouting this morning. Can, can I hear an amen? People don't know, people don't know how to stick with inconsistency. When life, when life is rocky and life feels like it's falling apart, we, we want to jump the ship. But you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me one time? He said, the very waves that's rocking your boat, I I walk on top of what's rocking your life. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you today that you've got to be convinced that he is the one that walks over and controls the very things that rocks your life. I am going to be stable when everything else is unstable. I'm going to be secure when everything else is insecure. I'm going to be faithful when everybody else is going to be faithless. Hallelujah. God shook him up because he was trying to get him back to you. Now, I want to tell you in Scripture, (laughs) I want to tell you in Scripture two shakings that I believe that the Holy Spirit is trying to do. And this is the message in Scripture. Two shakings. There's a shaking number one, and there's a shaking number two. This principle of the two shakings is found in a minor prophet called Haggai. Now, Haggai is a minor prophet, not because his message was minor. It's just the length of his book. And you know that one of the major events in the Old Testament was the exile of God's people. Now, if you're not familiar with that, let me just break it down for you. God had a people in the Old Testament. He loved them very much. He said to these people, I'm going to give you a piece of land. I want you to live there, and I want you to demonstrate to the whole world that there is one God. But these people had a problem. They always went to worship false gods. It was an issue of their heart. God said, if you keep doing this, I'm going to correct you. And that's exactly what God did. They refused to repent, and so God sent the Babylonians in, Their enemy, and the enemy came in and destroyed everything and took some of them as captive. And they were there for 70 years living in a foreign land for 70 years. When they came back to their land, guess what? Their temple was destroyed. The walls of the city was destroyed. And what did they have to do? They had to rebuild. They had to rebuild what the enemy had destroyed. They had to rebuild the temple. And so that's where we're at here. Haggai. He's a minor prophet, and he's telling the people of God. He says, God's going to shake you up. And I want you to see the first shaking. The first shaking is found in Haggai chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Haggai chapter number 1 and beginning with verse number 3. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Say, I'm there. Haggai chapter number 1, and I want you to see verse number 3. Now, don't lose me. This is shaking number 1. The word of the Lord came. By Haggai, the the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple lay in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So, you know what the Lord is saying? The Lord said to these people through the prophet, Why are you sitting in your beautiful homes? You rebuilt your homes. You rebuilt the home the enemy destroyed and how can you sit there in your flush couch and watch your TV when my house is still destroyed? You're not putting me first. You're not prioritizing my house should come first before your house. You are sitting in your panelled houses. Your priorities is out of whack. And my friends, that's the issue of the scriptures. That's the issue of the Christian life is misplaced priorities. We're loving the wrong things. And here, the people of God were rebuked by the prophet because they had misplaced priorities. And God said, I'm going to do some shaking up. Now, how does He shake them up? Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 9. Look at it, verse number 9. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home... I blew it away says the lord of hosts because of my house that's in ruins well every one of you runs to your own house look at it this is how god shakes them up verse number 10 therefore the heavens above you will withhold the dew and the earth will withhold its fruit for i have called i have called for a drought on the land and the mountains and the grain and the new wine and the oil and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. You see what God is saying? God is saying, you don't put me first. My house is a wreck. You sit in your beautiful homes. Your priorities is out of whack. I'm not number one. And since I'm not number one, remember what I said? When God's not number one, God becomes the problem. And God said, you know what I'm going to do? Everything you make in your hands, I'm going to blow the money away. God said, I'm going to dry up the earth. You're not going to be able to eat from the livestock. You're not going to be able to eat from the grain that the ground produces. I am going to be your problem. I, the Lord, will trouble you. I, the Lord, will dry up the ground and dry up the heavens and dry up the food because if I'm not number one, I will be your problem. God was shaking some things up. And shaking number one, the shaking number one is when God keeps stuff from you. That means I'm working, and yet it seems like, where's my money going? <laughs> He's blown it away. I'm working so hard to make it work, and it's not working. I'm doing all that I know how to do, but it's not working. Because God says, your priorities are out of whack. And when your priorities is out of whack, I, the Lord, will be the problem. And so shaking number one happens when this. When God is not number one, God will begin to trouble things. God will begin to disrupt things. God will begin to withhold things to get your attention so that you will come back to a place of confession and repentance and put Him number one. I don't know about you, but I do believe there's shaking number one that's happening in America and God is saying, it's just not a bad year. It's just not a bad day. I, the Lord, is the trouble. I, the Lord, is the problem. And I am doing a great show. Shaking so that you can come back and put me where I rightfully belong. If God is not number one, God will be your problem. God was the problem. Shaking, I like to call it, (coughs) I like to call it Chapter one, shaking, right? Chapter one, shaking, is when God's not number one and he's shaking some things in your life to get your attention. Shaking number two is what I call chapter two shaking. Now, in the same book, I I don't want to get excited, but ah, sometimes I feel it coming on me. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Can somebody just help me preach right now just for a few minutes? Uh, Pastor Doug, I'm getting ready to shout, and I don't have the energy to shout, but when the Holy Ghost gets on you, start to shout. Now, hold on. John, when I found this, I wanted to leap and shout and jump, but shaking number two happens, not necessarily because God's not number one. Maybe God is number one in your life. Maybe you are doing the right things. And yet things seem like it's still getting bleaker. Have you ever thought about that? Pastor, I've, I've put God number one, but it seems like it's not getting better. And it seems like everything around me is still being shaken. Well, I'm glad you're here at this Bible study this morning because I want to tell you what the Holy Ghost told me to tell you. Is this all right? I said, is this all right this morning? Now, don't lose me. Haggai chapter number one, verse 12. Now, remember, the people of God are not putting God first, remember? Well, guess what happens? Haggai Haggai, chapter 1 verse 12, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begins to seek the Lord. And Zerubbabel, no, hold on, Zerubbabel calls the people to repentance. And they start to repent. The people here started to repent and they started to rebuild the temple. They got the message. They're like, you know... We better repent because God shook us up a little bit. And we, we, we're going to repent. And so the people of God started to repent. And that leads me to chapter 2 shaking. Chapter 2 is a different time, type of shaking. Hold on. Chapter 1, God's, God shakes you to get your attention so that you will put God in his rightful place. Chapter 2 is when God shakes some things so that he can reveal his glory to you. So chapter 1, God shakes things to keep things from you. He becomes the problem. But a chapter 2 shaking is not because there's sin in your life. It's not because you're not doing the things that's necessary because you have put God first. God's back in his place. But this time, he shakes things because He wants to reveal to you something that you haven't seen yet. Hallelujah. It's kind of like a woman. Now, I've never had a baby, and I'll never have a baby. You know what I'm saying? But when a woman gets ready to have a baby, things begin to shake up. There is, there's pain. There's turmoil. There's sweating. There's crying. There's screaming. But you know... God is getting ready to reveal something to the woman she's never seen before. And chapter number two, God is saying, it's not because there's sin in your life. You've repented. You've put me number one. But I'm doing some shaking because I want to reveal something to you that you've never seen before. I'm going to shake the visible so that I can reveal the invisible to you. I'm going to shake something that you've never seen before. And you, oh, hallelujah. Hold on. Where is this found in Scripture? Chapter number two, get this. Chapter number two, are you ready? Verse number five. This is chapter two shaking. Chapter five, or chapter two, verse five. This is what the Lord said to the people according to the word that I've covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The Lord is saying, I know you messed up but I'm still with you and my spirit is still with you even though you've messed up. That would make you shout right there. He said, I, 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 I've not left you. I haven't left my covenant. Do not be afraid. My spirit is with you and my word is still true. Now get this, verse 6. <clears throat> Haggai chapter number 2, verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, hold on, once more once more it is a little while i will shake the heavens and the earth what do you mean he says i'm going to shake some things again oh, what do you mean what does he mean by that he already shook some things in chapter 1 he shook some things up in chapter 1 remember he withheld the rain he withheld the dew he withheld the grain he already did a shaking in chapter 1 but now The Lord says, once more, I'm going to do another shaking. And this time, I'm going to shake the heaven, and I'm going to shake the earth, I'm going to shake the sea, I'm going to shake the dry ground, I'm going to shake the nations, and they will come to the desire of all the nations, and I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Somebody better help me preach. The first shaking is to get you back on course. But the second shaking, he says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth because I'm going to bring my glory once again. Can somebody stand to your feet and say, I've put him number one, and this shaking that I'm in right now, I'm anticipating the power and the glory of God once again. Woo! I'm going to do it again. I'm gonna demonstrate, and listen, listen, listen to me, Pat. Just remain standing, and I have, I've said to the Lord, and you know, Lord, if you're not number one, I want, you, I want you to be number one. I want to put you number one, and listen if you've put Him number one and you're doing your very best and you've repented of sin, God says the shaking that we are experiencing is because God wants to demonstrate His glory. Just like He told Mary and Martha, He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that my glory may be revealed. He, he, he causes a contradictory crisis so that his glory may be revealed. A contradictory crisis. Mary and Martha said, my brother is dead, but Jesus said he's sleeping. It's contradictory. It's a crisis. God says, I want to demonstrate my glory. I want to demonstrate my glory. You may be seated. I want to demonstrate my glory. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, in closing. Hebrews chapter 12. Now listen to the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, I don't know. I don't know, verse 18. I'm almost done. Hebrews 12, verse 18. Now, don't lose me. Look at what the scripture says here. For you have not come to the mountain that ye may be touched and burned with fire, and to the blackness and darkness and the tempest, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Now the context here is Mount Sinai. Moses is in the mountain. He's receiving the law of God. You will read in the Old Testament that on Mount Sinai, there was thundering and there was lightning and there was smoke. And Moses is in the mountain. He comes down out of the mountain, veils his face, and the people were afraid. This is the context of what's happening here. The writer of Hebrews wants you to see something. Verse number 20, for they could not endure what was commanded. If so much as the beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned or shot with an arrow. As so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to the mountain Zion. In other words, in the this, in this time period, you are coming to a different mountain. Moses came to a different mountain and trembled, but now you come to another mountain. And he says in verse 22, you've come to the mountain Zion and the city of the living God and the Holy Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, who was registered in heaven to God and the judge of all and the spirits of just men, made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You see what's happening? There's a different mountain, and at this mountain, there's not smoke, and there's not this There's thundering lightnings. There's a company of people at this mountain. We're all at this mountain. Jesus is there. And then he says, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of the sprinkling speaks better than Abel. So we see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Because what did, what happened at the mountain? People of God made a, they made a, they made a false image at the at the foot of the mountain, they, they, they were went into paganism and they didn't hear what God wanted to say to them from the mountain. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that's being shaken, as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Did you see what he says here? He says, now God is getting ready to shake some things up. God is going to shake the heavens and he's going to shake the earth. He, there's going to be this great trembling going on. Just like on Mount Sinai, there was a great trembling. There's, a, there, there, there. God shook some things up because He spoke to Moses and the people refused to listen. But now, the writer of Hebrews says, we're at a different mountain. And God is speaking to us and He's shaking some things up. And only those things that will remain will remain. But the writer of Hebrews says something that echoes in my spirit this morning. And he says this, Therefore, since now, verse 28, you are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. In other words, God is saying there's going to be some shaking going on and you might be afraid a little bit. Things may shake here and things may shake there, but I, the Lord, is doing the shaking. But you need to remember that no matter what shakes around you, that no matter how fearful things May get. No matter how anxious you may be become, you need to realize that if you are in Him, then you are part of a kingdom that can never be shaken. That you are a part of something that is secure. That you are a part of something that's immovable. That you are a part of something that's grand. Let them fall on my right hand and my left hand but it shall not come nigh thee because I am a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken I will be stable when everything else is unstable I will be secure when everything else is unsecure I am a part of something that is solid and stable I have my foot on the rock to stay whoo he is the glory and the lifter of my head. I am a part of an unshakable kingdom. It can never be shaken. Can, come on, stand to your feet. Hallelujah Come on, give God glory today. Hallelujah. I'm a part. An unshakable kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? I said, Do you receive the word of the Lord today? part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. Hallelujah. Now this morning if you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm not used to that type of preaching. You got a little loud. Well, some people like to tell it. And some people like to yell it. I just get excited about it. If you're here and you say, well, I'm from a different background. I'm not used to all the clapping and the exuberant. That's all right. We all love Jesus. Nobody is going to pull you out of your seat. Nobody's going to bring you to the front. Nobody's going to push you over. Nobody's going to make you feel uncomfortable. In church, sometimes we get excited. If you don't want to get excited, that's fine. But I do believe the message this morning was for us. That Christ's point is a part of an unshakable kingdom. Did you hear me? I said, we're part of an unshakable kingdom. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. The Lord spoke to me a few years ago and said that He's going to shake some things up, remember? And He said, he said I'm, going to, I'm going to decrease before I anchor i tell you, that came true. But you've got to remind yourself that you're part of a kingdom that can never be shaken. Hallelujah. Now, before we move on, I want to say something because I feel apprehended. And uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I I want to explain to you (coughs) the plan of salvation. I don't know why I need to do this, but I just need you to listen for a few moments. I know most of you are mature Christians. And I want you to listen to my heart. For those of you that are here this morning, and maybe this is new to you, maybe maybe you're a little uncomfortable, I want to tell you something that is life-changing. And the very first thing you have to know, you have to know this, is that you can't help yourself. Good people don't go to heaven. Because there's nobody good. The scripture says, the Bible says, every person has sinned. That's why you don't have to teach a baby to lie, steal, and cheat. You know why? Because it's inside of us. Nobody has to tell you to do wrong you know how to do wrong. We have to tell people to do what's right. So every person, including me, inside of us, we're all sinful. And according to the Bible, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He stretched his arms out and said, I know you can't help yourself, but I can help you. And Jesus died on the cross for you because He loves you. And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I know I can't help myself. And you died for me. And I confess you as my Savior. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Come in to my life and live. The Bible says you've got to confess it. And you've got to believe it. That Jesus is the Son of God. And that Jesus died for you.